On this week's show, as Dover Athletic scale back a day's training, boss Andy Hessenthaler tells us that it's a worrying time for a lot of clubs. Maybe three quarters of the league is going to be uh, in our position, and I think there'll be a quarter of the league that perhaps is going to be a benefit from this uh, unfortunate pandemic. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited who advise, educate, collaborate and share exclusively in the field of people analytics and strategic workforce planning. It's been a hugely busy week and that's not even to think about the small matter of one of our teams reaching a playoff semi-final. So it's going to be another packed show for you this week as we continue with season three of the show. I'm John Phipps and on the line now is a man and I've never been able to say this on a podcast before who's getting ready to celebrate his birthday next week. It's the one, the only, Matthew Gerrard. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Yes, I think um, normally my birthday is the end of July, so I think we normally do our season preview. We haven't even finished this season yet. A couple of days after my birthday. Yeah, it is my birthday next week, so um, I'll be 45. I'll be Mario Balotelli's number. So there you go. If you know anything, I'm giving my age out. We just said it. Everyone knows. You went 45. I'll be Mario Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, so yes, I'm 45 next week. So, um, which is a, um, when I was, I just saw somebody down um, down the beach. We went down the beach this morning, and she, and she works. And this lady I never met before, but she works at my old school. And we were going through teachers, and she mentioned the teacher, and he goes, "Oh, he was my head, my, my my first form tutor back in 1986." And I thought, "Bloody <laughs> hell, I'm I'm getting old, aren't I?" If my, I went to secondary school in 1986. Yeah, so, you are. I started primary school in 1986. So, yeah, so, yeah, so bizarrely, some of the school teachers are still at the school. Wow. That is long service, isn't it? That is long service, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, 45, what did I think I'd be doing if I, 20 years ago or when I was 21 and fresh behind the ears, I thought I'd probably, I don't know what I'd be doing at 45. But Did you think you'd be doing a podcast about non-league football on on a Wednesday afternoon? Probably not. I'd probably say, go and get a life, you sad man. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, sometimes I completely agree with the 20-year-old Matt Gerard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought, but I, I wasn't really into um, journalism at that stage anyway, so I, I wish... You, know, you I've think got this a, is journalism? Yeah, yeah, no, probably no. But you know, I'm aware from the, the career, as in my second career, if you can call it a career, I wasn't. I wish I'd done it a bit more, you know, I've got a business degree, which served me so-so, but I wish I'd done a little bit of maybe a bit more... Um, journalism in some ways but you know as we know from what you said before the the journalism world is coming to its knees a little bit maybe even with the pandemic there may not be many newspapers and uh, sort of sites out there anyway so maybe I made the right decision and maybe just having a a second career I'm saying that again in the loosest terms uh, on that way yes well fair play to you Uh, it's our 131st episode this week and you have to say fair play to the owners of a hotel in Cheltenham who account for nearly all of the first page on Google for that number maybe I should rename the B&B just in case anyone else ever searches numbers for random facts on a podcast Uh, is that what they're called 131 apparently so yeah Um, any reason why I I don't know I think they might be number 131 so they might be at number 131 but fair play to them it's a a, a genius Well, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, there's also an artist called 131 who has 161,000 followers on SoundCloud, uh, which also happens to be the platform we host this show on. We've got um, 48 followers. Well, yeah. 131 is also a Sophie Germain prime number. She was a French, French mathematician. 
as well as being an irregular prime, a palindromic prime and a permutable prime. So we best find some prime cuts for this week's Kent Non-League podcast. Uh, we should start, of course, with a phenomenal Sunday afternoon for Dartford, who brushed Slough Town aside to make it into the semi-finals of the National League South playoffs. It was all square at the break, but Charlie Sheringham netted early in the second period, then got his second, and Luke Wanadio sealed an impressive win for the Darts. And Matt, I think we were all surprised at just how convincing that win was for Dartford, but brilliant news. I fancied him for some reason. I don't know why. I think when we had Steve King on last week, you just fancied him. And his record in the um, in the in the competition is good. No, he hasn't won it, but um, I just fancied him. He seemed confident. The form they're going into, the result they had against Bournemouth, and we saw Bournemouth are no mugs in this division. And from there, and I have to give him a little bit of credit there. He brought back Sheringham. He'd been on loan at Leatherhead, which is a couple of leagues below. And maybe sort of give him a kick up the backside. We know he's a good player, Teddy Sheringham, uh, Charlie Sheringham. Um, so I think it's a, a really fantastic result. And now they've got to follow it up against Haven't, and Haven't, and it will be good one to get good, good to get one up Doswell, as they say. And fingers crossed they can do it on uh, on Saturday, because then uh, if they win that, well, it could be a good chance they'll be at home because Dorking Wanderers won, and hope just hope the pitch is all right. Well, exactly. And that, that is a possibly a, a question that will be having to be discussed. Because I remember when we spoke to uh, Steve Irvine on the podcast, he said, yeah, we, we dug the pitch up and the chances of us having a home final are very, very slim. But you would think that they did that work quite early. So surely the pitch would be ready for August because they were thinking, well, when's the season going to start? So hopefully that won't be an issue for Dartford. Yeah, I can't believe it was. If you look on Twitter, the, the pitch looks in fantastic condition What the grounds has done a a really good job there. It's, it's going to be tough against Havant, of course. It, it, a lot of absolute players down at Havant, the, the um, Kedwells, the Magrees, the um, who's the other guy, the midfielder used to play Drury, for East Andy Day's Drury. Drury. Andy Drury. Yep. He's there as well. Very experienced side, but maybe the young legs of Dartford could um, knock out Havant. We know Havant have spent a lot. I got Tommy Wright. I don't know if he's allowed to play though. Tommy Wright, they brought from Sutton, and he's a really good player as well. I don't know if he's allowed to do it from there, but absolutely um, fantastic result. It's going to be tough at having, but why not go there with a bit of confidence? And how bizarre would it be that if the two sides who get to the final are Dorking and Dartford, who finished in sixth and seventh in the league? I do think that this playoff format does lend itself to the teams at the bottom having a bit of success because no matter what Steve King says, no matter how many friendlies haven't all to leave or have played even at the same time, that intensity will be missing for having at the start that they, they won't have had that, that 90 minutes and Dartford have got 90 competitive minutes on haven't. So I think it's really important that darts go there on Saturday and, and have a fast start. I think if, if they can go there and, and really attack haven't from the start, then there's no reason why they can't get a lead and then just sit back on it. No, I, I think that, that would be my tactic. It seems that reading up the reports of the game that maybe Slough with a better side in it first half, but Steve King didn't panic, said to his boys at half-time, right, if we play through these, we'll get the result. And they did. I think Steve King, well, if I'm a Steve King, he's a confident manager anyway. He's not one of these managers who will be going in scared about having a Waterlooville. He'll be more of saying, look at my boys here. This is what we've done at Slough on a 3G pitch. Now they go down to Haven, which hopefully normally their pitch is pretty awful. I'm sure it'll be nice at the beginning of the year to play their football and get a result. Fair play to, to Charlie Sheringham. Big call. It absolutely worked out for him. He's a goal scorer and Steve King, and that's what Dartford missed over last season when they struggled a little bit. 
We've got goals in the team there. And I'm really pleased with Sheringham because he's a, you know, he's a he's a good non-league stalwart. He's been around the houses for a number of clubs, but Dartford looks like his sort of spiritual home, really, doesn't it? Because he's been there a number of times, and scoring those two goals will really adhere him to the uh, supporters even more. Yeah, I was just I was actually looking up Ch- uh, Charlie Sheringham uh, earlier on, and uh, quite amazingly, he was born about two weeks before Millwall got promoted to the first division back in the day. So that must have been a, a decent fortnight for his old man, mustn't it? Yeah, and you think about that, it must have been difficult because um, Teddy Sheringham is a you know a Premier League great. You know, once scored in the Champions League final for Manchester United, the Spurs great, Manchester United great, and and, and for his son to come through, and I know he went to Bournemouth, I think he went to Wimbledon as well, so he's had a league career, but I think one of them he's got a good job now, I think, and now he went to non-league, so you know he's stuck at it, thirty odd, must be thirty two, thirty three, something like that now. Thirty two. Thirty two. So decent career that experience could be absolutely crucial against some of the defenders there and maybe the battle of the um Sheringham and Kedwell could be the, the one that fix sorts out the uh who's going to win that game on Saturday well exactly and uh yeah like as you say sort of a bold call um to bring him back and and that obviously the right one and you look at the Dartford team that played on Sunday and that is a strong side. If you were that, if you were coming up against that team, you would have concerns, wouldn't you? It's almost hard to forget because obviously things have moved so. But they've got Jack Jeb in the centre of that midfield now. He's such a talent. They've got McQueen, Wanadio, Sheringham. There are Remain, of course, who's just won Dartford's goal of the season for his uh, wind-assisted howitzer um, at uh, Eastbourne, which I saw. And uh, you've got to look at it and say that Dartford team. He's a strong old team. And yeah, having at Waterlooville, have obviously got some very good players as well. But you just kind of think that you look at that Dartford team on paper and there's not a lot for them to fear. It's, you know, you look at the, the three defenders there. Hill, he's done it for well in Bonner. Baron Barrett, I know at Dover, he's a good play. They've got the Lonies of Hussein and Hyde in there. Um, Marsh Brown, you know, he's a non-league thing. McQueen, what we know about. Got Ronnie Vint, very good player. Um, you thought um, he'd be a regular, but he's only getting on the bench. You even got Preston Edwards on the, I see, on the bench as a reserve goalkeeper as well. So, yeah, again, I'd love to know the difference between that side that played on Saturday or Sunday, whatever it was, and who played, started the first game of the season for Dartford. <laughs> probably there's not many people in there. Probably Hill and Bonner may be the only ones, but fantastic job that Steve King's done in there. And we, I know I say it every week. We have to eat a bit of humble pie here because when we got in, I think me and you looked at each other and scoffed a little bit, didn't we? We said, well, we certainly well, did. Maybe I did. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think we both felt that it wasn't necessarily a Dartford style appointment. And I remember you sort of raised concerns, saying that, that you know that you had problems considering how how Dartford have always been run and how they've had all that stability and and the the players like your Brad Brooks and everything like that who've been around the club for a long time, but. And I saw Steve King's first game in charge in October and they, they were poor that day. And I, and I really thought, oh, he's got his work cut out here. But the way he's turned it around, bringing in his own players is absolutely fantastic. And you you can only say absolutely uh, fair play to them. It must have been a difficult one from what we gather. The other people involved, it was the guys now. Welling was involved. Um, Bradley Quinton could have got the job. Jay Saunders, we heard. It could have been easy to go somebody that Steve King, you know, he's had a lot of clubs, but... His record in the National South is phenomenal, and he knows so many players. More than you know, it's, it's unbelievable, and he seems to kind of attract these players. So, fair play to him, and fantastic result. I just hope for this time next week we're saying they're in the final. So, if they lose, 
do, do you get a hangover in the next season or you look at it and think, right, we've done really well. Next season, we're going to go and win it. Even though it'll be tough again, they've got a good benchmark to move forward from. Yes, I have in front of me uh, the team that Dartford played on the first day of the season and the team that Dartford played uh, yesterday, on on Sunday, sorry. So are you ready? Right, opening day of the season, a 4-1 thumping uh, away to Wealdstone. Team, Mark Smith in goal. uh, Jordan Winter, Tom Bonner, Josh Hill, Luke Allen, Ryan Hayes, Luke Wanadio, Andy Pugh, Cameron Brody, uh, Norman Wabo and Ronnie Vint. Is that 11? It's about four or five. The defence has stayed the same then. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, the team Saturday, Cissé, Winter, uh, Brian Barrett, Bonner Hill, Hyde, Hussin, uh, Jeb, Romain, Sheringham, McQueen. So, there's not a lot there that that, that was still still there at the time. So, they've obviously, uh, they have made changes. And and it's so hard to make such a a big sweeping change to your squad during the season. And, And I suppose that, if anything... Is is the the best thing Steve King's done? He's he's come in, he's brought in players, not necessarily all players that he knows, and he's moulded them into a, a top-notch team that at the moment are on course for the National League. Uh, it's it's fantastic. What a brilliant job! Uh, again, you look at his record; he doesn't stay somewhere there for too long, but he's got the background. Again, if he takes Dartford up, other clubs will be maybe look at him. I'm not trying to get rid of him with Dartford, but you know what you're going to get from Steve King. Is a solid side, and now he just needs to put that on his CV promotion. How many, how many finals or playoffs he's lost? It's quite a few. I think it's maybe time to cross that box off and get a side promoted. And he's, what he said before, it would be his um, his greatest achievement as a manager. And you, you have to say, a, f- a phenomenal achievement of when he walked through the door back in October or whenever it was. It certainly is. So well done to him and good luck uh, to Dartford on Saturday as they go to Haven't. Uh, now, usually at this time of year, we're getting ready to come out of our podcast hibernation ahead of a new season. But until the last week, we've really had no idea when 2021 will be starting. Uh, but now there is light at the end of the tunnel for our clubs and it does look as though September will be the date we all kick off again. The FA Cup Extra Preliminary Round is apparently going to kick us off on September the 1st with SEPs 5 and 6, the scaffold as we like to call it, set to start the following weekend. Steps three to four, aka the Eastman League on the 19th. And the National League, well, the guidance says no earlier than September the 5th. The caveat to all of this, however, is that crowds will have to be allowed in before the lease can start. So that's where decisions get taken away from the FA and chucked into the hands of Boris Johnson and co. We'll hear from a National League manager on that shortly. But what are you thinking about it? Do you think September? From what we gather, I don't think it will be now. Um the scaffold seems to be thinking that they're going to start, but maybe does the scaffold need, they do need people to come through the gates, but what we speak into certain people, what Jim Parmenter said, I think even, you know, higher up the pyramid, Paul Scally of Gillingham has said, they cannot open up games without attendances. And the government has said from the 1st of October, we might be able to have attendances. My theory being, if this is the government, are they going to say in the middle of August, right, no problem. We've moved that the 1st of October to the 10th of September or something and go from there. But there needs to be a point at this that the leagues have got to say when they're kicking off. The National League needs to start. The, the, the Ryman League have said the 19th, and they've put that in writing, I think, somewhere. Yep. Are the clubs happy with that? Are the, are the likes of Maidstone, Hyde, Tunbridge Angels, ha- not Tunbridge Angels, sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong league, um, Cray Wanderers, are they happy to start the season behind closed doors? Have they actually asked these clubs? That's what I'm concerned about. There needs to be something for the, the National League hasn't even finished yet for another 10 days or so. And going that, 
And normally what we find out before, the National League needs to do their fixtures and then it cycles it down to the other leagues as well. To sort because out. of ground so, shares and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the leagues are asking for this, but it seems to be that the, the, the 12th or the 19th, you're not going to have crowds in. So nobody wants to play that. And when you hear Andy Tessentyler, a lot of clubs aren't going back to training, even though there is some in the National League. If you're not starting to the 1st of October, you probably don't need to start training to the middle of August. No. Otherwise, you're going to have the world's longest pre season. It's all up in the air, but they've got test events, they've got cricket, snooker, etc., like this. The Premier League will start whenever they want because they've had it before, but it's just interesting. Are they going to change it? Or is, is the 1st of October written in stone? We're not doing anything before that. Or can that date change? I honestly don't know. Well, this is obviously not a politics uh, podcast and we do not claim to be in any way, shape or form um, politics experts. However, um, beloved Boris did did seem to be almost going off the cuff when he was saying, oh, hopefully we'll get stadiums back open in in October. But for me, and this is this is my own opinion on this. I've not I'm not basing this on anything. But when he says stadiums, I think he's thinking of Old Trafford. He's not thinking of Gay Dawn Farm at Corinthian. He's not thinking of the Culverdon. He's not thinking of Maidstone Road in Chatham. He's thinking of the big places. So might it be that there is a, if these test events go well, I understand there's going to be a thousand people at the uh, at the cricket, for example, uh, sorry, against Middlesex, which starts later this week. If they well, go well, might there be a possibility that from the, the start of September, they say, well, gatherings of up to... 1,500 people, 2,000 people are okay in a certain space as long as people try and socially distance. And if they say to many of our clubs, looking at the sort of size of their stadiums, you can do that, then I think they'll they'll be fine. You know, your Sheppey United and, and Chatham and, and Folkestone and Victor, you know, it's quite a nice, there's always plenty of space whenever you go to Folkestone, you know, that, that sort of thing. So I, I just get the feeling that when Johnson chucks out the word stadium, he's not thinking of the Fullicks, is he? No, uh, and also I think the, the clubs need to do, they need to have a, a safety of, well, a COVID-19 officer and they need to work things out from there. But surely they've got to be given some guidelines. You know, talking about Crabble, you could only get one way in and one way out, arguably. Well, you could open up other bits and pieces, but the way the ground is, unless you're asking people around, it it goes from that. So I've got absolutely no idea. We all got excited last Friday. Oh, football's coming back, football's coming back. When you read between the lines... Again, we know with the National League, they were waiting on the Football League, what they're going to do. And it may be they're going to have to wait on that again. So we might not know when this is going to be. Could it be the middle of August before we know anything? That means, I know Stockport came back training, but we've got no idea when they're going to be kicking off. Well, this is the thing. I mean, the FA have released, so say, round dates for the early rounds of the FA Cup, FA Trophy, FA Vars. Uh, FA Cup extra preliminary round, as I said earlier on, Tuesday, the 1st of September, preliminary round on Saturday, the 12th. And the first qualifying round will be held on Tuesday, the 22nd of September. They are playing these games on Tuesdays because they have to get those games in by November. So the, the FA Cup, because obviously the FA Cup is, behind, is going to be about a month behind. So it's going to be midweek FA Cup games, which isn't a problem if you do a podcast on a Wednesday, is it, mate? But um, and then the FA Trophy first qualifying round, Saturday, the 26th of September, second qualifying round on the 17th of October. And the FA VAR starting on the 19th of September. So it all seems to be that, that these dates are there and these are the dates that they've got to do because the season's got to finish by the 15th of May. So where do we go from here, though? These games are going to have to be played, surely. So it might be a case, and folks in Invicta, um, whose website I'm currently at the moment, are saying 
it does at the moment look like any pre-season games we have will have to be played behind closed doors, as presumably the majority will be in August. But things do seem to be changing on an almost day-to-day basis. We'll do our best to keep you updated. Uh, also, they add in that statement, while the FA should be applauded in trying to get a calendar which all clubs can aim for, as the way things stand at the moment, the first few games in the league, including the first qualifying rounds of the FA Cup and FA Trophy, would appear to be scheduled to be behaved played behind closed doors as the government have announced that currently the 1st of October is when spectators will be allowed to back into stadia and that is dependent on positive feedback from these three test events so it it is madness but I still think if these three test events go well they're not thinking about getting 200 people in for a scaffold game they're thinking about getting 75,000 in Old Trafford and that's that's the difference so I think if these test events go well Well, one snooker isn't it that's how it works Surely you can go to the pub indoors, so I can't really exactly. understand that one. One's cricket, isn't it? One's yeah. cricket. And a race meeting at Goodwood on the 1st of August, apparently. And how many people are they letting in there? I don't know about that one, but I know they're all restricted entry. Um, and The cricket um, one is 1,000, or was it the Oval, is it? So it's going to be uh, like Yeah, so it'll be well spaced out, uh, the cricket. I've just seen 1,000 on Twitter. I'd, uh, I assume uh, I've got no reason to disprove that. Uh, but yeah, 1,000 people saying about that. So... Uh, well, it's, it's all, who well, knows? As I said last week, France can have 5,000 people, isn't it? So unless he said it, if he says 5,000, I know the Premier League got a meeting, is it this week, Friday, they've got a meeting, I think, the Premier League, and they're going to state what the, the dates would be. So if the Premier League, if they said 5,000, would the Premier League say no? Well, if it's the Premier League, can carry on behind closed doors, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's leagues one and two that are the big problem from the, with the 5,000, because let's face it, if they said 5,000, Dover aren't worrying, are they? Well, a majority, we know you might find, you know, 40%, 50%, well, even Gillingham probably not going to weigh at 5,000, are they? No. On that basis. So, yeah, it's, it's, I, I presume this 1st of October we're just being blocked out of the air, and then a certain time they'll make a decision. But how long can they leave that decision? And what's these test events? What do the test events actually show them? Everybody can get in, okay. <laughs> but so, well, yeah. So basically, we've got not. We, well, we've gone one step closer because we know the season's coming to an end. We're going to complete the season, but we still don't know when the next one's coming, do we? No. Um, Matt Smith, incidentally, chairman of Sheppey United, friend of the show, uh, does say that Sheppey United, obviously, who do get big crowds in to, to their, uh, for that level, uh, they're going to be looking at all tickets every game so they can trace every uh, attendee who comes to matches. Um, so, th- I mean, that's where things are going to be different because obviously there's a cost implication for that because normally at Sheppey United, you turn up, pay your £7 at the turnstile and just walk on in. So, they're obviously going to have to find a way of, of printing tickets, which they probably don't normally have to. So that's where it's all going to be very different. And, and clubs are going to be feeling the pinch, aren't they? I think a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of clubs will have to make a system. You know, when I went to church, the guy just wrote, there's not many people in the church, but they wrote down the people's names. But in a football club setting, unless you have to buy everything online, would you? Would you have to buy your ticket in advance? And when the 1500 gone, if it's 1500 gone will people not be able to turn up anymore well that is a question that i'm pretty sure uh, a lot of football club chairmen are currently uh mulling over but uh time will tell on that one also interesting note obviously we spoke to michael golding last week on the show about the fa vars uh the uh, the concord rangers chairman put out a tweet yesterday suggesting that uh, apparently the fa have contacted wembley stadium with regards to an october date for the fa vars final now 
that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because yeah, all right, that'd be great to to, to get the game played with with some crowds. But if if you're an FA Vars uh, semi finalist, as we have one in this county, uh, and you're a month into your season, and then all your new players are not allowed to play, that's going to be quite something, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's okay. Uh, okay, uh, you know we shouldn't be too critical because it must be an absolute nightmare for the organisers of this uh, thing from there. So basically, one stage. Oh, I know it's harsh, but the FA should really write to get the competition out of the way. So they should do. Maybe they write they need to get it before the end. And if it's with closed closed doors before the end of September, August, just to end this season. Yeah. So they've got to have a cut off point. But again, if they're waiting for the Premier League, we'll see how it goes from there. But the Premier League's definitely going on the 12th. Well, the Championship will probably go on the 12th, even if it's behind closed doors. But the way it goes, we won't be starting probably till the Saturday the 3rd, then we're thinking, are we? Well, somebody, well, again, if, look at the FA Cup. If Margate is supposed to be playing the FA Cup, one of our sides in, sort of, we're not going to play, they'll go from there. But I know Deal were back training yesterday and they're ready to go for Scaffold. But the Scaffold's going to go ahead and maybe the other leagues won't be from that. But they won't have any tendency to Scaffold then. So I've got my, I'm, I'm going yeah, I'm kind of a bit bemused all about this now. How can the scaffold? So you could have the you could have had the scaffold continuing at that point behind closed doors, could you? In March. Who knows? Who knows? Rather than if they're starting in September and go from there. So, well, it'd be great to get something from the scaffold. I think we've got something on next week, haven't we? We certainly so we have. Yeah. How they we, get from that point of view. But, yeah, we did try and make a bid for them this week, but apparently uh, they are incredibly busy uh, <laughs> at that moment in time. But uh, they should have time to speak to us next week. Uh, part of what's happened with the scaffold this week is the uh, constitution uh, for the next season was announced uh, by the FA. They, they announced all of them. Uh, all the way down from uh, the Isthmian League Premier. No changes in the Isthmian Leagues at all. Uh, the Southern Counties East League, uh, I, I was certainly surprised to see that there's two new teams uh, in the Southern Counties East League Premier Division uh, for next season. Uh, Ballum and Tower Hamlets have both been moved across into the league. So that means there's 21 teams in the division. Greenwich Borough not included, despite claims that they may be looking to get back in it. Uh, the reason that Ballum and Tower Hamlets have been moved across, they both moved stadiums. Uh, ground shares for them both. Uh, Ballum are playing at AFC Croydon Athletic, or Tower Hamlets, apparently for one year only, are going to be playing at Phoenix Sports. So uh, that almost is uh, amounts to common sense, Matt. If, if Tower Hamlets are going to be playing at Phoenix Sports... To put them in a league where they're near other teams, that actually is a, a rare fit of common sense. Yeah, it's again, I was speaking to people with a guy I know for deal, and he said, oh, he said there'll be tough players, tough, tough opposition to come against, but somewhere new, something to look forward to. And we don't, we won't be covering Ballam and, and Tower Hamlets, but interesting addition to the uh, scaffold. Shame they can't get it to 22 or an even number, so everybody plays every week, but. That's my only um, disappointment about that. But yeah, we we'll, we open these, we welcome these teams with open arms, and hopefully they won't do too well because they're not technically Kent. Well, exactly. I was actually pondering about Tower Hamlets. If they're going to play at Phoenix, do we need to think about it? But do you know what? We cover enough clubs yeah, in the exactly, scaffold, yeah. so uh, so that's why. If you want to get in contact with us, Tower Hamlets, we'll speak to you. But we're not <laughs> searching for you. Yeah. Um, also, interestingly, um, Scaffold Division One has uh, 17 teams in it, as it did this year. Uh, exactly the same 17, in fact. 
but still the four promotion places more than <laughs> almost a quarter of that division will be promoted and that's kind of uh, where the issues have come and it, it doesn't make any sense to me that we've got a 21 and a 17 in the scaffold surely somewhere along the line we should be having a 22 and a 16 or a 20 and an 18 no fully fully behind that so maybe maybe there'll be a friendly each the side that doesn't play in the scaffold will play a friendly against the side that's in the league one that'd be nice yeah exactly maybe you just have a and then you can work out who wins that division, the playoff division. <laughs> but then I suppose that there's always going to be the issue of London Cups and things if they start doing all that. But I think they're going to sort of give them a bit of a swerve. Um, so we will see. But it, I suppose the one thing um, that that might work out is that Corinthia won't be missing a league game because I'd imagine they'll look if they do have FA Vars uh, commitments, they will try and put them in. Yeah. But the other impact of that, of course, is uh, if the FA Vars is on a Saturday, um and there's a full programme of scaffold fixtures. Tradition, the best thing about the FA Vars is that it gives people from across the county the chance to go to Wembley and support a scaffold team. So surely they'd have to play those finals on a Sunday rather than a Saturday, yeah? Hopefully. Depends on what Wembley needs. I don't know how busy Wembley is. Up until that point, probably they need the money probably because all the pop concerts probably got cancelled. So, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, it'll be done on a, on a, on a day that's... Like, this looks normally on the Sunday after the end of the season, so hopefully it'll be there. But we'll keep an eye on that, but... I think we just need to get going on when next season's going to start and things like that. I don't know how long it takes. I know we Matt Panting that we know does the scaffold fixtures. I presume he can do the scaffold fixtures now. How long does it take to work out? Do they put it in a computer or some of them do it manually? I've got no idea how they do the other. No, I, I've got no idea, but maybe that'll be a question we can ask uh, on next week's show. Uh, now, while many clubs across the county are signing players, it's been pretty quiet at Dover Athletic in terms of incomings. Now they've announced they're going down to three mornings a week of training. After that news was confirmed on Tuesday, Matt spoke to manager Andy Hessen-Tyler about that decision. I don't think it means too much, to be honest. I mean, um, obviously, there was talk of us having to go back to the evenings, and that, that's something I really didn't want to do. And, uh, to be fair to the chairman, um, he didn't want to do that at all either. You know, it's almost taken a step back from when we came in, when they was doing that. Um, so... Um, we sort of agreed to, you know, finally it's going to work to, to do three mornings a week. Um, and we think that, to be honest, uh, the way that whenever we do start the season, I think we're on a Tuesday, we'll probably be playing most Tuesdays for a while yeah, you know, well, to, uh, to perhaps catch up. So it could be that we just train, train on a Monday, we play Tuesday, but the players will then... Uh, not train on a Wednesday. We'll train Thursday and then prepare prepare for Saturday. We won't train on a Friday. So I think that's going to be the plan going forward uh, in terms of our um, you know schedule for training. I mean, and it works financially for us. We you know chairman's looked at the figures and you know we are we are we are going to have to take massive cutbacks. You know and, uh, and just for maybe for a year, maybe for eighteen months, and hopefully that football can start to recover. So I don't think it's going to be long term, but you know, for for now, just to, for the financial side of the club, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to adjust uh, the, the, the training schedule. Where will you be training? Same places last year? Or have you got to find a new training ground? Um, we haven't confirmed that where we're training. Uh, it may well not be where we were last year. Maybe somewhere else again. That cut comes down to the finances. So. Uh, we're in talks uh, at the moment in terms of where we're going to be. Um, I, I sort of almost left that to the chairman and uh, and, and Frank to, to perhaps be able to source where we're going to train. It could still be back where we was at Case Balls, but we're not 100% sure at the moment. 
Interesting point at the bottom of his statement. He said that, um, you know, still, he still doesn't know when the league's going to start. I know the, the government released something last week that they can start, but not before the 5th of September. Have you actually heard anything? Because, of course, I think it's October they can let people in the, in the stadium. Have you actually heard yeah. anything that's going on? No. The, 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 the date that was being really sort of pushed around and rumoured to go around is it was, was the 12th of September that it's been talked about that that was when we're going to go back playing. Um, but again, after what uh, Boris Johnson came out with and said that, you know, we can't have crowds back in, into stadiums until October, you know, I read the chairman's article and oh, he's right, you know, how can we play games behind closed doors? It's just, we just can't afford to do that. Not just our league, you know, I don't think League One, you know, my old club today, I don't think they can do that. You know, League One and Two, you know, you can't, I don't think we can afford to do that. So, um, I suppose it's just, with that announcement, you know, maybe the league will look at it and perhaps say, well, our league won't start till October. And it's, that's always been in my thinking that, that we probably wouldn't start till October. So, maybe that'll be the case. But again, it's, we're still, Still, none the wiser, really, on exactly when we are going to be going back um, for the new season and when we're actually going to go back training. I know some clubs are. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Um, You know, so I don't envisage us being back until perhaps the end of of July, probably beginning of August. If it's a September start, then it'll be beginning of August. But if it's an October start, then it may be middle of August. So, again, I think we just need that final you know, bit of clarity and when we're actually going to be starting a new season. And uh, But also, I've spoke to a lot of clubs that they're in the same boat as us are sitting waiting to find out before they go back to pre-season. Yeah, I see a lot of, you know, some sides like Stockport are spending the money. I think they've one of the sides have gone back training as well. So, how different do you think the National League will be? Is it going to be, you know, the haves and maybe the have-nots again next season? Yeah, I think so. I think it may be the, maybe half, maybe three-quarter of the league is going to be uh, in our position, and I think there'll be a quarter of the league that perhaps are going to be a benefit from this, uh, you know, unfortunate pandemic. And uh, I think some clubs will jump on it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw that they've signed the Bruni from Barrow and they stopped seventy-five k apparently. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a massive signing. Yeah, um, yeah they're going for it. And, you know, good luck to them. But you know, we we're not in that position. And, uh, you know, we we obviously got to cut our cloth, and we're going to. Uh, we're just going to have to do what we said and, and, and dig in, get you know, get a group of players together and um, you know, fight to, to, to stay in the division and um, and hopefully then things start to recover and then things will be a bit brighter perhaps in a year, eighteen months time. Would, would these players, if they're doing less technically less working hours, would they some of their wages they'll be on less wages than the ones that are on contracts than they were last season? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, if we're going to have to sit down with players, I think this guy's going to come and, uh, you know, we'll have a conversation. But yeah, I mean, the players that we'll be looking to bring in will certainly be on not the money that we've been able to pay uh, last season. Um, and, and, and previous seasons, you know, I know what the budget was before I came in. So uh, we've got to really, really pick carefully and uh, and that's what we'll do. But there's going to be so many, I believe there's going to be so many players in there. I'm not really worried about um, a selection of players it's just getting players in for the for the right cost for us you know yeah, so it's a challenge for you to do that you you think it will be a it's it's a manager's market rather than a player's market now I believe so yeah I think I think the club you know, in a lot of 
clubs are mature and starts in a lot stronger position. You know, I mean, feel like perhaps players have a lot of power, but I think now that this has come along, I think it's completely changed. So, you know, I think it's going to affect, uh, even affect the agents of the game. You know, they, you know, maybe a lot of players won't go with agents now. Have an agent because of the situation because clubs can't, you know, to pay a, to pay to, to pay a player and then have to pay an agent. You know, they're just not financially viable, so I just can't think that's going to affect the agents in the game as well. I presume all you're waiting for is, you know, get the players out on the training ground and go from there. It must be still frustrating, sort of. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, there's a meeting set up for next week with players and the, and the chairman or the conversation with the, you know, existing players. We'll get together, and, you know, uh, we've got a pull together and we've got to try and get through the situation. And, uh, you know, so we'll, have, we'll, we'll, we'll meet the, uh, the directors and the chairman next week. Um, and then uh, hopefully we'll be a little bit clearer on, on, on where we're going and, and we, we may hopefully have a, a date where we can come back uh, to start pre-season because I, I, I can assure you I'm sure the boys are chopping it a bit I've had you know, players texting today to you know, is there any date of going back training and uh, the only thing I would say is I think the game's changed now I think a lot of players now are keeping themselves pretty fit and been up for a long time I think as whereas years ago, where I, you know, I played, a lot of players used to use the pre-season to get fit. You know, I think players just keep ticking over. So I don't think you'd be, you know, yes, they're going to have to do work and have to get fit during pre-season. But I think they come back a lot fitter nowadays than they did years ago. Oh, talking about teams coming up, um, your old club, Dartford, had a great win at the weekend. They've got Haven't this week. You know, what do you think about their chances yeah, coming? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Steve's got Steve King's gone in there and he's done well, and he's turned things around. And you know, um, he's done great and he got a great result against Slough. So yeah, got the, uh, the semi-final day uh, at the weekend, and uh, yeah, good luck to them. You know, I'd love to see him uh, back in the uh, in, in, in the national conference, in my old club. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be great for that derby game as well. So it'd be great. Yeah, and uh, you know, wish him good luck for the weekend. And so he says nothing changes too much because they were doing four day four mornings anyway. So um, I, I suppose that. But then he does follow it up by saying there could be massive cutbacks. So it really is swings and roundabouts. And uh, you're a Dover fan. You're, you're you're my Dover Athletic expert. Is this a backward step for the club? Um, yes, but maybe the the future of the club's more important than that. From what Jim Parmenter said, they've had no income in that sort of time. Uh, we know how much money it took from when they went full-time during the season and I think uh, you're on record of the money that the club lost at that point so um, um, the most important thing is that the club surviving and staying in the National League and you look at it and as you said in there there's going to be the have-nots and the haves and the have-nots next season and it'll be interesting to see how other clubs are coping with apart from Stockport who seem to be buying the league up you know spending 75 grand on on Rooney which is a good signing but um, Everybody else has made other signings, but it's interesting the signings these other clubs are making are all from lower leagues as well. They're not looking at maybe the high earners from the Football League and from that. And Dover may be looking at that. I think Dover will be looking at the loan market and see what they can bring in. Will some of the, if there's cuts, will some of the players be able to stay on? That's another question as well. But as you said in that piece there, I think the power has gone to the players rather than the, um, sorry, the management rather than the players now. So there may be a rich picking of players who, maybe don't want to carry on in the Football League or not get paid the Football League, they come to the National League and Dover maybe got to be at the top of the queue trying to bring those in and trying to impress them with what they can do next season. Yeah, that that is the difficulty. And, and I suppose Andy Hessen-Tyler, I would go as far as to say, 
this is going to be one of his biggest challenges as a manager, isn't it? Because he's obviously got players in who are on different contracts, and I'm sure uh, those that are left, he's going to have to have some difficult conversations with them uh, in the coming weeks. And then he's got to go out players, and he, and he says, you know, you, you've got to pick carefully. Uh, and we always admired the way that Chris Kinnear could go out and just build a squad from scratch. And Andy Asantala has never really done that before, has he? So it's a big challenge for him. Yeah, of course, you look at the Chris Kinnear when he was there for four years, Dover were up a table to table and they trained two nights a week. So, um, And to be fair, at this, at, at this stage of pre-season, you had as many players as you've got now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so Kinnear did do a very good job in doing that. And his has got to attract the players. I'm sure he's got contacts. I'm sure he'll be utilising the loan system, which I think he did quite well at the back, well, the back end of last season with the guys he got in from Charlton and Lake Norwin. And they pretty good players, I thought. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough. You know, the first thing I looked at yesterday was, I know, you know, what I'm like pessimist to the end. Which which four sides are going to be worse than us? <laughs> looking at the league, you know, yeah. you think about it. You, going, look, I suppose, mate, I'm going to give you a bit of positivity here. We don't know the financial position of every other club, no, do no. we? So, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure, as he said there, three quarters of the league are in the same position as Dover. And it is just, it is going to be this season for, for that three quarters of the league is survived by any means. And, and that is, yeah. You know, and then you can build again. This is the season that is going to be, oh, last season was obviously bizarre because it, it didn't finish. But this next season is going to be ones where clubs really show their mettle. And what they do this year will show how they can, go moving forward yeah I think it's going to be an interesting year but also we talk, we talk about Bromley very well run we haven't had Neil Smith on but Bromley haven't brought anybody in as well and certain players and it's just interesting to see how it's all going to go from there I know Woking are extending players contracts for next season they're another sort of part-time side you think Dover if they're going to do well they're going to have to be beat getting high above them so yeah, it's just an interesting time you know Apart from, you know, we always say it in this division, the ex-football league clubs who get maybe four or 5,000 every week, you would have thought, apart from, it could be that the the old ex-league clubs are finally going to dominate the league and the other clubs may struggle with this, unless you've got a rich benefactor. Bournemouth, bankrolled by Arsenal, I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine if they're one of the most, worst, least supported teams. So, it's just, just times, you know, I just looked at it, oh, we're going to get relegated because it's going to be a tough division. But, and Hestel, as you say, he's got a big challenge ahead of him here. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's quite enthused about that when we were speaking to him there. He, I think what his biggest frustration is, like we all are, we don't know what's happening next. So, But he seemed quite enthused about it. And I'm sure he's got enough players who he thinks can do a job for him next season. And, and all we want is that season to start, but it could be another two and a half months away, which is a bit frustrating. Exactly. And, and I do wonder uh, if the likes of Woking, the ones who'd stayed full, who'd stayed part-time, might be the ones who just benefit from this because it, it might just play into into their hands. But uh, time will tell. And obviously Andy Hessen Tyler, a former Dartford man, uh, wishing the darts well this weekend. Then, as we already say, uh, we, we echo that and it would be fantastic to have uh, clubs in that league. But um, well, also... Going back to that, David, though, you, you look at the, the, the squad they've got. Yeah. You know, defensively, if that, everybody who's, who's, who's contracted stays, defensively, I would say you, you're going to be OK. A couple of midfielders, you probably need a creative midfielder. And again, everybody was injured and everybody was fit. You just need a couple of strikers. So I don't think it's that bad a team. People are saying it's a relegation team. Well, I don't think it is. You've got a young heartbeat at the side. And, and again, it's for the players as well. You, 
they don't want to be in, if they stay, they don't want to be involved in relegation because, again, out of the contract next year, where do they go from there? So it's just, it's interesting times to see what goes on. But maybe the money is not going to be swilling around the National League that it has been before for certain clubs next season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And also, Matt, I see ticket prices have been frozen uh, at Crabble. 18 quid still. Eighteen. It was. It, were they contemplating putting the prices up? Um, I, I think um, obviously if you go on the day before, them, some people are sort of saying it should be cheaper. But I think that's the norm. I think if you go to Kings Lynn next season, I know they got promoted and their fans are on a high. Twenty pounds to get in Kings Lynn next what? season. So I know that there is. A I mean, we live in a world discussion. where they say twenty's plenty for away supporters yeah. in the Premier League. Shouldn't be paying more than that. And then to go and watch Kings Lynn. You're going to be paying that sort of money, 18 quid to watch Dover. I, I genuinely think, uh, and perhaps I'm financially well, I naive. I, I, I think that's from the top down. So if you want to compete, you know, Dover probably could charge £10. Well, they might have me playing, mate. So you've got to look at it that way, isn't it? <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd pay a tenner. Yeah, I would exactly. pay a tenner. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think everybody's, it's between 15 and 18. I think some of the bankroll clubs are a little bit cheap, you know, may have got more investors and Dover have to be but this is the kind of time that all clubs and particularly Dover have got to get out in the community try and attract people through get people through the gates in ways or another and we know Bromley do that so well and maybe Dover could take a look at Bromley and see how they can get more people through the gates because Bromley's gates were absolutely fantastic yeah because they're very heavily involved in the community yeah it's interesting and I do wonder if you know, I've always been a believer of surely you're better off selling 2,000 tickets at a tenner than 1,000 at 18 quid. But uh, obviously, it's all about yeah, getting people yeah, in. So exactly, yeah, you've got to you've got to sell them the product, haven't you? Um, and some people, say, you know, and as people say, half of Dover is covered by sea. And so, if, if you know, not everybody, you know, people I used to go with 25 years ago would never even think about going up Crabble now. A for the cost, and B because. I'd rather watch football on the television. So somehow, and David's like, David have got an aging um, support base as well. So they've got to do something to attract people. But I don't know how easy that's going to be because not everybody has got 18 pound if they've lost their job or whatever. So it'd be interesting to see the gates that do it. You probably just get the diehards. I would have thought going every week. Somehow you've got to attract those other people who come and go. Absolutely. Uh, F Street United have been busy. They signed uh, five, four more players to add to the two that we talked about last week. Uh, Two of them coming from uh, from where I'm currently based, Eastbourne. Uh, goalkeeper Tom Hadler, uh, former Jill's keeper, had a lot of loan spells around the county, uh, has now joined Fleet. Uh, Mike West is back at uh, Ev Street United as well. Uh, they've also signed Josh Payne, it's been announced today, who had a six-month loan spell with them last season. And uh, Dennis Katrieb has raided his former club TB Berlin and signed defender Sefa Karaman. Uh, scores the odd goal. They tweeted one out, Ebsfleet. Uh, he scored from his own half. That's uh, fairly handy. Uh, Frankie Sutherland, however, who signed from Bromley during the season, has left the club as he can't commit to full-time football after going into business uh, during the lockdown. Um, so he's going to be potentially, Matt, a, a very, very good part-time signing for someone. Yeah, I think it'll be. Yeah, I think he's gone into business with his father-in-law. Yeah, he did a good job at Bromley, uh, half decent against Ebbsfleet from there. So, yeah, uh, interesting to see what there is. Ebbsfleet again. We know their financial problems. They seem to be bringing players in, signing players up. Josh Payne, good player. You know, he got up a couple of years ago. He got promoted out the uh, bottom tier with Blackpool, I think. So, um, good signing. So, I don't know if the, if the financial cutbacks for Ebbsfleet have taken on board, but they're they're going for it for next season to get promoted. And I see I've just seen George Ellacobi staying with Maidstone United as well, John. 
Yeah, good so good, good to keep him on board because he will uh, be a solid man at the back for Mason and a bit of experience if they're going to be pushing uh, near the top of the table. Other news in the National League South, and, and this is actually really good news. It's not necessarily uh, football related, but Tom Derry, uh, who we've spoken about in this podcast before, best looking footballer in non-league apparently, um, tweeted that his mum has been in hospital for 102 days uh, 42 of those days in ICU, 15 on a ventilator, uh, and she's finally home uh, from hospital. So that is uh, really great news, isn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Really, really pleased for, for Tom and his family there. And it, again, fortunately, I haven't really been touched by this illness, but there's a lot of people who have been. So I'm absolutely delighted about everything's going for him. Yes, exactly. A few more bits and pieces doing the rounds. Margate, good signing for them uh, in the shape of Freddie Moncur. Uh, obviously played a lot of football in Essex, but now he's come to the right side uh, of the bridge uh, to, to continue his career at Margate. And, and Faversham snapping up Cameron Williams from Maidstone United. Academy captain uh, has joined the Lily Whites. That's a good signing uh, for them. Uh, so that, that's that, that's good news. And more signings in the scaffold as well very quickly. Uh, Glebe, outstanding news for them as they have signed Charlie McDonald, who surely will still score plenty of goals uh, after leaving VCD Athletic. Jamie Philpot will be his strike partner as well. Uh, he's pretty handy as well, isn't he? So uh, there's going to be uh, plenty of goals banging around uh, in the Glebe area, I would say, Matt. Yeah, goals, goals, goals is the scaffold, I think. Actually, some some good, good strikers down there. You know, the golden boot, will be up for grabs for a number of players, I would have thought. Well, exactly. Uh, three new signings for Erith Town as well, uh, including uh, Ryan Mahal, who's a name uh, who's been doing the rounds. He's, he's played for Leatherhead, Great Athletic, Wellingtown. Uh, and Mehmet Piro has also joined them uh, from uh, Wellingtown. And uh, Tulupe Jonah has joined from Burgess Hill Town. So that's a decent signing. Uh, Snodland, uh, we mentioned last week they'd signed some players. Well, they've signed a, a s- several more as well. Uh, to add to the ones that came last year, uh, last week, uh, former uh, Rochester and Hollands and Blair goalkeeper uh, Sean Wicks and Robin Woodward, another goalkeeper, uh, has joined. Uh, they've also signed, well, there's lots of players on there, but the one I do want to pick out is uh, Shane McNaught, uh, who is pictured on the top of the story uh, that they've got there. It played for Staplehurst uh, under previous manager. Uh, Luke uh, under Snodland manager Luke Wand and Shane McNaught on the Scaffold website he has got one hell of a beard it's safe to say uh, so fair play to him and Hollands and Blair as well uh, in the pre- in the uh, Scaffold Premier I've signed Matt Gething uh, who scored a lot of goals for K Sports uh, and Fjord Rogers has also signed uh, to strengthen the squad they've also um, kept hold of Darren Cooper Luke Harvey Cameron Heffernan Connor Heffernan Harry Kingdon uh, their skipper Callum McGeehan, Chris Saunders, Liam Stone, and Sam Welch already signing at Hollands and Blair. So uh, good news for them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're basically thinking the scaffold is starting the fifth, isn't it? Looks like it's going to be, yeah. So uh, time will tell. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be. Well, who knows? So that could. I mean, we could be six weeks away from the scaffold. We could be ten weeks away. That 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 is the uh, entertaining uh, life that we lead in this. Uh, post well it's not quite post covid yet but this post lockdown existence is certainly uh, a different one isn't it but uh, yeah enough of the football anyway are, are you okay what what are you doing for your big day on monday uh, back to work monday <laughs> so get Happy i'm getting rid of my charity shop stuff so you know big day I for us both in, have you yeah booked in yeah monday i i've got, i did when i went past yesterday i had my haircut yesterday for the first time Ooh. in 150 days and um i went past and we've got, we've got a load in the white in my wife's car to take and you had to ring him up and I said, oh, if you can come down in the morning, you can do it. But I, I need to drop mine off. Um, yeah, fine. So I'm back to work next week. Um, and then not really, probably not much on this weekend. I game, I game, 
nothing really. No, no, nothing to do. Hit the beach, been to the beach a couple of times the last few days, strawberry picking with the kids. Um, but that's about it, really. Nothing too exciting when you hit the Balotelli number. It's just, I'm probably right, you know, I, I could be over halfway now, couldn't I? That's the worrying thing. Well, yeah, and obviously you're, but you are exactly in between milestones, so that'll be exciting for you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, well yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, well, yeah, I'm just carry on regardless, mate, really. Can, um, so back to work, but no, nothing too exciting is happening here, really. Um, mowed the lawn. <laughs> um, the, the weather's been good, so that's not too bad, is it? Yeah, we had a bit of a uh, a bit a bit of a relief last week. Well, a bit, not relief, but uh, it was my mum's uh, 70th birthday on on Thursday last week, and uh, we had lots planned, and it all came off. So it was it was really really nice. We had a fantastic uh, couple of days. We had uh, people coming down to uh, people coming down as a surprise visit. Uh, we had afternoon tea. We had a meal out, and the the crowning glory uh, was we hired for an hour a stretch limousine. Uh, wow. which took us up to uh, Beachy Head for some pictures, took us up to Berlin Gap for some pictures and then dro- dropped us off at the restaurant. And uh, my mother's face was a picture. So uh, it was absolutely worth it. So happy birthday to her um, for last week. And ha- of course, happy birthday to you for Monday. I must remember to send you a message. I'll do it when I'm at the charity shop. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Show me a book that I should, you would have brought me if you'd found it. In there, okay. there must be an old football book or something in there. To I'll 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 find so I will do that. I will go in the charity shop and if they've got a book, I will. I'll tell you what. I won't just take a picture of it. I'll buy it. I will. There you go. I will buy the book for you. As my we'll birthday go from present, there. Yeah. As your so birthday like present. And when I, if we ever see each other again, <laughs> well, we could be going to a scaff- I, I could be going to a scaffold game, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to go and watch because I got um, Stephen O'Brien or in a WhatsApp group with who's playing for Deal. And we did say, I did say to people in the group, we'd actually go and watch him and just abuse him for 90 minutes. So I want to go and watch Deal and have a watch at him. So whenever that could be, that we yeah. could be actually reporting from a game and getting some live information. So um, Exactly. I think I'll be climbing up the walls to... We were quite a dark win, mate. They're at home. Yeah, well, maybe we should put a little request in. Then, yeah, exactly. So um, game to Dorking Wanderers. So, well, interesting times ahead. Exactly. Well, time will tell. But uh, yeah, massive good luck to Dartford uh, on Saturday. Thank you, everybody, uh, for listening to us this week. As always, you can find us on social media. Look on Twitter for at KentNLPodcast, at JohnPhipps81 and at Matthew underscore Gerard. It's pretty much everything you need. Uh, on Facebook, uh, if you search Kent Only Podcast, you will also find us. Um, thanks again to Andy Hessentyler for, for giving up his time to talk to Matt. Always very useful uh, to get him on the show. Thanks to Matt, of course, uh, for getting that interview and just uh, it just appearing in my inbox, which is always a, a nice thing to do. Uh, but that is it for this week's Kent Only podcast. Let's say thank you, everybody, for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you all next week. Come on, you darts. And thank you for the thousands of messages I'll get on social media wishing me a happy birthday. I really appreciate that. I won't get any. <laughs>